Let's join together in the prayer of illumination. O worthy God, you lighten our darkness. There is no darkness that can stand against your light. Teach us your ways, O Lord, through your word, through your spirit and Pastor Matt as he ministers the word to us in preaching. Open our hearts to receive the light that you have for us today. We're so grateful for you. Amen. The scripture reading today is in Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 25, going through chapter 6, verse 10. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. A number of years ago, um, I quoted Animal House in my sermon, which may or may not have been a wise move, but in quoting it and someone couldn't tell that I was quoting it, they thought that I thought that um, the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor, because that's what John Belushi says in the movie. After the service, so gently, so kindly, the person said, you know, it was the, the Japanese. I said, yes. The speech that John Belushi gives in the movie is to rally the troops. He wants the men that he lives with to be excited about their mission. That's what Paul is doing here in Galatians chapters 5 and 6. He's saying, let's go. We who have received the Christ gift, let's live like followers of Christ. Let's go. Let's do this together. And immediately he points out what blocks us from doing this together well when we become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Here he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And this is where I'm very fond of uh, this translation, because the word for keep in step is actually one word, but it's the word for walk, but it's a different word than walk than the one used before. 
earlier in the chapter, which is more of a metaphor. So when he says walk in step with the Spirit earlier in chapter 5, he's meaning your whole life embracing the fruit of the Spirit, rejecting the fruit of the flesh. And here he's saying, let's go do this together. Squadron line where my kids went to elementary school, um, whenever they needed to move classes, they walked in a line. Looks really orderly and it works and a lot of problems are averted. By the time the kids are about ready to leave squadron line, it looks a little odd because they're, you know, taller and can handle things. That's what Paul's saying. Let's go do this together, friends. We have received this gift. Let's live like it in front of the world with one another, keeping in step with the Spirit. What thwarts that? When we think a little higher of ourselves than we should, or when we're envying one another, one another, which is maybe thinking a little lower of ourself than we should. The Bible is full of um, hmm. I thought we got it in there. We didn't get it. That's okay. We go back to point one, Joseph. Thanks. The Bible is full of encouragements to love one another. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Love one another. So about 55 of them in the New Testament. And what blocks it? When we think lower of ourself than we ought, higher of ourself than we ought. And even though restore one another in chapter 6 verse 1 is the, the word that I used for the outline, I'm including talking about it. And <laughs> it's the iPad that's doing it. Stick on number two. I'll throw it across the room. That would help. I threw my iPad, right? No, don't do it. I'm calling restoring one another supporting the church because it's part of what we get to do with one another that's very, very hard to do correctly, but it is what we are called to. To encourage one another when we see love um, extended and to caution and um, restore one another when we see patterns of sin. We want to do something along the lines when we see especially a pattern of harmful behavior. Everything okay? If we start there, you realize what we're doing? We're saying, that didn't seem like you. That moment, that season, that event. Everything all right? And then we're in a place of gentleness to hear the story. And we need to listen to the story, because that's what humans do uh, when we're bearing with one another, when we're embracing bearing one another's burdens, when we're forgiving one another and learning to encourage and serve one another. There's a story behind it. doesn't excuse the sin. We are still to restore one another. Jesus spoke about this pretty directly. Take the log out of your own eye before you remove the speck in your neighbor's eye. And we understand that amplified language, but we sometimes forget that he isn't saying, but leave the speck in their eye. The only, not, the only point is not avoid hypocrisy. It's also engage one another spiritually. Encourage one another. I was in uh, seminary 
a number of years ago and uh, found out that the job that I thought was waiting for me after seminary, I was not going to get. I'm telling this story in a, very, in a way very sympathetic to myself, you should know. <laughs> and um, I went to class anyway, didn't want to, Acts and Paul, and I spent the entire one hour and 15 minutes reading James Bond trivia. And I hear a voice behind me as I get up, start packing up my laptop, hey bro, and I just know it's not going to go well. And the guy standing next to me, that's a pretty good friend, um, newer to the faith, and uh, that helped me to act maturely in this moment, somewhat maturely. He proceeds to explain to me for, I think, six to seven minutes, it felt like ten, how distracting I was to him and to anyone sitting behind me, how disrespectful I was to the professors, and how disrespectful I was to my own educational moment. I waited till he was done. I extended my hand and said, my name's Matt. And we talked for a few more minutes, and I, and I said, you know, I was, I was having a pretty rough day, and um, might have been more helpful if you had asked how I was doing, and, and then stated all the offenses against you and the professor and the people sitting around you. And he uh, spent another few minutes explaining how wrong I was. It was a great conversation. Then we spent the next two years waving at one another and exchanging pleasantries as we passed one another in seminary. And this verse is part of the reason that he felt comfortable confronting me. And he should have because I was distracting him. But there's a way to do it, right? And that's what we're seeking to do with one another in the community of faith. Encourage one another uh, dark is my answer to that question. When we see love uh, done well, when we bear with one another, when we're patient and kind with one another, we cheer one another on. When, especially, we're caught in a pattern of sin, we want to gently say, I don't think that's who you are, and let's, let's find another way to do life, marriage, parenting your place of employment. Paul goes on to say something that's incredible if you're familiar with Paul and the letter to the Galatians. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is a beautiful, lovely, dynamic call to act like those who have received the Christ gift. And if you know the Apostle Paul, and so fulfill the law of Christ is a big, bold statement with some indirect pushback on these problematic Galatian teachers and an incredible encouragement to us. To us. When you serve this community of faith, you are fulfilling the law of Christ, and that should really encourage you. Do you know how to sit with people that are hurting? That's part of it. In the first service, we had a guest preacher, and he said, can you imagine someone going up to Jesus and telling them that they had had a hard day, and Jesus saying, you know what just happened to me is I was in my hometown, and no one was listening to me. I was the only one in the service that laughed. You all caught the joke. Or maybe people laughed, they were just laughing quietly. Like... <laughs> 
Do you know how to sit with people? Do you know how to sit with people and not say things that make their burdens worse? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. No, 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 no. What doesn't kill you probably was really horrible. What doesn't kill you probably really wore you out. The reason we don't want to say God just wanted another angel is that's profoundly untrue. And you're adding to their burden by implying something about God that's wildly untrue and that later will really harm them. Do you know? How to, I hope you know how to sit with people when they're hurting. I sometimes do. I'd much rather go help them than do it, but I have learned largely through those who knew how to sit with me when I was suffering. That's not the only way that we bear one another's burdens. Have you seen one of these little cards? We're trying to group together our ask instead of like, we'd love you to support this in the church, and then the next week, we'd love you to support this in the church, and then the next week, we'd love you to support this in the church. You're like, didn't we support this other thing last week and this other thing the week before? If you click on the QR code, took me about two minutes, which means Will Downey could do it in 30 seconds. Many of you, it'll take three or four minutes. There's a Christmas offering in there, and it's because many in our community of faith need our monetary help. If you see the arrows, the first arrow is up, as in supporting the worship of the people of God, and then there are arrows together. That's uh, to symbolize supporting one another, which doesn't just mean sitting with one another. It also means money. And then there are arrows going out, because you can also click on a link to support a local social worker who just wrote us a really sweet note because we provided them with clothes, because sometimes kids need to change clothes in school. And there are some kids that don't have a change of clothes, so we provided that through your money. If you're newer to the church, you can click on this and learn uh, what we're about and how we do things. Um, If you're a member, regular attender, we hope that you'll engage with this. That is what our deacons do. They support especially the household of faith. Is that all that we do as a church? Of course not. Is it important that we do it? Yes. Not just because we're bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. It's also because it's one of the most profound parts of our witness. Over time, our friends and neighbors will see us care for one another and they'll learn something about the character of God. Some of the most hospitable people in this church have told me that they're not good evangelists. And... I try and find different ways to encourage them because, first of all, they are, and one of the principal ways they are is serving you. Over time, that will encourage people outside of the household of faith that the household of faith cares for one another. In verse 3, Paul says, For if anyone thinks he is something, he is nothing. When he is nothing, he deceives himself. Joseph, do you have the text message picture? Okay. So a friend of mine named Robbie Griggs is the head of systematic theology at Covenant Seminary, wrote his dissertation on Paul's uses of the words life and death in Galatians. So I texted him and said, what does verse 3 mean? And I tried to say, like, it means this, right? And he said, 
Paul is saying you're measuring yourself with the wrong yardstick. So that's what someone with a terminal degree in this book said about that. You're thinking about this, not us, but the Galatians are thinking about their own measurement in worldly standards. And then verses 4 and 5, he's reminding us that we have limits. We bear one another's burdens, and we hear the encouragement and the um, elegance of that language, and each will have to bear his own load. We cannot fully care for all of the needs of one another. This requires wisdom. This is why um, sometimes our boards have late meetings, (laughs) trying to do this well within the limitations of our organization and within our own limitations. You need to sleep in addition to bearing one another's burdens. You have to work to keep a roof over your head and the electricity on. And in addition to that, you serve the household of faith. We restore one another and support the church as we trust the Spirit. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. We restore one another and support the church as we trust the Spirit. And what we're trusting is that some of your money and what you're good at and your time are well spent supporting the household of faith in its efforts of evangelism, in its efforts to serve one another, its efforts of service to the community. That's what we're trusting. And Paul, in uh, verses 3 through 6, is encouraging us that that is not a waste of time. That in his hands, your time and what you're good at and your money are well used by the Spirit in calling people to faith, encouraging and supporting them. And in that, he's reminding us to flee the desires of the flesh, talked about earlier in chapter 5, and to embrace the fruit of the Spirit later in chapter 5. When we sense in ourselves any of these things, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, I'm in verse 19 and now 20 of chapter 5, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, envy, When we sense in those things ourselves, we flee from them. We reject them. On a good day, we might even know where they're coming from and be able to resist even quicker in the future. Paul's encouraging people to stay in step with the Spirit that leads us away from those things into love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what he's stating elegantly and mundanely and theologically and in opposition of bad teachers is there's no neutral life. There are lives of death, thanatos, and there are lives of life, zoe, where we're pursuing through desires that are part of this broken world and a part of our own 
um, unredeemed self, the parts of us that are unredeemed, we fall into the desires of the flesh, or we reject them in step with the Spirit and receive the lives of life. There is a life that honors God, and there's a life that mocks Him in behavior, in word, and deed. And we endure. I really appreciate um, Is He Worthy, the song that we just sang a few minutes ago. Um, if some of that language is unfamiliar with you, unfamiliar to you, familiar with you, that makes no sense. You were essentially singing the book of Revelation, which is really cool and for me. First of all, because we called it Revelation instead of Revelations, because it's just one. Second of all, because the point of that book is that we endure, that we don't give up hope that living like a follower of Christ is, our, is possible, worthwhile, good, and it takes some effort. That's why Paul encourages people. And the effort doesn't merit us salvation, but it does take some effort. The reason Paul says don't grow weary is he knows that we're growing weary. Someone is going to start telling you a story about how they're tired, and you're going to want to tell a story about how you're tired. What Paul's encouraging you to do is listen to the story about how they're tired, and then maybe later talk about how you're tired. And I know that sounds insignificant to you, but that's how we become better at supporting one another and more of a knit spiritual community. That's bearing one another's burdens. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. What? What do we reap? Eternal life. And eternal life begins the second that the Holy Spirit pursued you and you knew of God's love and then received it. So in participating with the Spirit, in resisting disproportionate fatigue, you are enjoying eternal life right then. If we do not give up, so then, as we have ever opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I say hang in there a lot more than I used to as a pastor. And it's because I have an increased understanding of how tiring it is to be you in the world. With the neighbors God has given you, with the work he has given you to do, with the mysteries in your life. I mentioned to a trusted friend a few months ago that I didn't think I'd have as many complicated family relationships at 46. And she said, oh, that's cute. Because it's no small endeavor, we talk about it all the time, but it's no small endeavor to consistently take time and energy to honor God. But that's the deepest union available to us. It is no small thing to forgive and love and bear with the people that God has put into our lives. For many of you, Thanksgiving is an absolute delight. It was my favorite holiday growing up. And for others, you're like, who's coming over again? What are we going to talk about? Oh my gosh. I have a friend whose uh, 
spouse, they made an agreement. If they started talking politics, they had to pay for a spa day for the two spouses. Because they want to bear with one another, because they do love one another, because it's not simple to love one another and forgive and bear with one another. But through the Holy Spirit indwelling us and energizing our faith, reminding ourselves of this before God and one another, we endure as his followers until he returns. and off my notes, not really using them. But I think I made the point. Hang in there, friends. Because if you're a follower of Christ, you have received peace in him and with him. Hang in there, friends, because you have been given a household of faith to serve and to encourage and support you. You need them now and you will need them in the future. Hang in there, friends, because God has not only called you to himself, He has called you into purpose as his follower. Let's pray. Father, would you encourage your saints with a sense of your fatherly love for them? Jesus, for the one who is considering your claims about yourself, Would you give them good conversation with you and others that they might give their allegiance to you and receive eternal life? Holy Spirit, would you bless and encourage us as we continue to sing, as we leave this place and go back out into a world that neither understands nor appreciates much or any of your gospel and your truth? And would you strengthen us this week to bear with and to forgive and to love and to encourage. Amen.